The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I know the success that I've had with my mid-major teams versus Power 5 teams, and we're definitely going to take that into consideration and how we approach this game. is something that... Uh, we take very seriously and we know that they have a lot of good athletes and they're more than capable of putting it on us. The Orange Zone, sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks. What's up? Welcome into the Orange Zone podcast. We are back on James Street. We are not in our normal podcast set. We are still in the studio. That's a part of the whole, you know, mics and equipment and everything coming over from the fair. But welcome in. Orange Zone sponsored by Billy Whitaker Cars and Trucks, Tommy Sladek, Ashley Winskowski, James Mungro, Samantha Cross, and we are getting into a Western Michigan preview for week two of the Syracuse football season. We recap a 65 to nothing win over Colgate. We get into some trivia, some ACC talk, but first we want to start with some more somber news. Kyle McIntosh, former running back with the Syracuse football program, some tragic news with his son passing, and James, I know you wanted to um, just have a, have a moment to, to shine light on that. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, uh, over the past uh, last, week, uh, last week ago, um, uh, Kyle McIntosh, uh, unfortunately his son uh, had a terrible, tragic accident, and... Um, <clears throat> He uh, unfortunately didn't make it, didn't pull through, fought for a good week. Uh, just sending our hearts and prayers out to Kyle and his family. Uh, thinking of you, brother. Love you. And, and it sounds like just from having, having an alum here at the team is you guys stay close. Yes, for the we fan, do. For the yeah. fan base to know that you guys really stay connected over the years. Yes, we do stay connected and uh, had the opportunity to be with him and his family uh, multiple times uh, up here at the Dome. So know the family very well. Uh, his brother was my roommate in college. So uh, it's heartfelt around the whole uh, uh, Syracuse family. Well, we're wishing them the best and wishing the best for their family. Absolutely thinking of them here with Orange Zone and CNY Central. So as we get into the game here again, you saw Dino Babers there at the top of the show and welcome into the Orange Zone. We have a new channel on YouTube. Want to plug that real quick, the Orange Zone podcast, which is separate from CNY Central. As we heard back from people saying we wanted a spot that's really just focused for this content. For people who are really interested in the Orange Zone, we were able to do that. So excited to have that. Make sure you're liking and subscribing. And as for Syracuse, Western Michigan, the Orange beat Colgate 65 to nothing. We'll get to that in a second. But this game happening on Saturday at 3.30. So we're sticking with that mid-afternoon games, right? Uh, before we get into the game itself, is there a favorite kickoff for you guys? Do you guys have a favorite time that you appreciate on Saturday? That depends. That all depends. <laughs> I think if we're working it, then I really like that noon kickoff slot. Mm -hmm. Get all of the work done, especially if you're traveling or something, exploring a new city. I feel like it's cool to be able to have all of the work done early. Because you know, working in local news, if that game starts at 7, 8 o'clock, you're there till 2, <laughs> 3, could be 4 in the morning. Earlier start, earlier finish. If I'm watching, though, I, I think that you know, 7, 8 o'clock slate is really nice. <laughs> Well, as a player, uh, former player, I like to have early games mm -hmm. because, like you said, um, I mean, it's you're in college. Like you like you we want, don't. You, you want to celebrate your victory. You <laughs> want to celebrate that. You want to celebrate that victory. That's so, right. uh, you know, early games is better. So you have a little bit more time to stay up a little later. 
Yeah, before your day off. <laughs> yeah. How are you, Ash? I agree with Sam, you know, haven't been working it for too long. So I really like, as a fan, when it's during, at nighttime, 7, 8 o'clock, I think those are the best as a college kid yeah. rooting on the team. But working it, I think I'll take a different tone. Working it's a nice <laughs> little flip-flop 180. But again, this one at 3.30, six with the mid-afternoon theme. The previous one was at 4 o'clock. And uh, Western Michigan coming back to town. Now... Fans that have been around for a bit here, not even around for a bit, maybe just five years, uh, are used to seeing the Broncos because we played them in 2018. Syracuse played them in 2019, won both times, reaching into the 50s of the score. It was 55 to 42 in 2018, and then 52 to 33 in 2019. Now they're under first-year head coach Lance Taylor. They fired their last coach after going five and seven last year, and they earned a 35 to 17 win over St. Francis out of PA. And the thing about Lance Taylor is there's a little bit of tape that the Syracuse coaching staff can use on him. Why? Because he was the offensive coordinator at Louisville last year. Okay. And an offense that only scored seven points on that Syracuse team. So that's a little fun okay. fact for you okay. because he is a guy, and, and Dino Baber said, he goes, we can't completely rely on his games from last year, but we can certainly learn something. There's going to be a theme that sticks with it. Oh, without a doubt. I remember, listen, that season opener was 31-7, to the final against Louisville. That was a great game. And I think you heard in the cold open what Dino Baber said. I think he's in a unique position here because he understands that a team like Western Michigan can, in fact, beat a team like Syracuse from his Bowling Green days. Mm -hmm. He beat Indiana. He beat Maryland. He beat Purdue. He understands that a team like Western Michigan could beat a Power 5 team, and he doesn't take that for granted. I like his mindset and his mentality. We heard the same way with Colgate, where he said, I'm not sleeping before a game like this. I'm sure he slept pretty well after. But <laughs> I think he takes every game seriously, and I feel like that preparation and saying that message to your players makes everybody else treat that game differently, too. I mean, I'm sure you've had those games where you just underestimate an opponent. Crazy things can happen. You're absolutely right. Um, you got to go in with the mindset uh, each game the same way. Uh, you have to go in the same mindset as they did before Colgate. Uh, yeah, if you uh, get caught slipping, you like uh, Clemson last night, get caught slipping, see what happens. <laughs> that was... Wild. Let's hit it right now. Let's hit it right now. We, we have there we to go. take a beat. Clemson and Duke. I was looking at, you know, I was looking at the sports books last night because I was interested where they were leaning with this. It was a 12-point spread by kickoff. And in my mind, going in, I'm expecting it to be around three touchdowns. And I said, there's something here I'm missing. I knew Duke was supposed to be better than last year. Clemson, though, had very high hopes. Abu yeah. Sweeney had very high hopes for his guys. And wacky game, but end of the day. Duke earned that win, and Clemson deserved that loss. Yes. yes. I 100% agree with that. Um, but, you know, like you said about the whole approach, you have to, like, you, I mean, you got to go in. But, you know, again, you know, when Syracuse playing Western Michigan, um, Western Michigan's going to be a lot tougher than Colgate. It's mm -hmm. going to be a lot tougher. Uh, should they beat them good? Yes, I think they should beat them very good. But, I mean, the guys now at Syracuse, their, um, their mindset's very good. I mean, their, their focus... Uh, they had a great win. A lot of p people played. So, I mean, uh, a lot of new players out there uh, running around and stuff like that. So the coach is able to get film on some new guys that they haven't seen in game situations. So that's a good preparation uh, for Syracuse. But like, like I said, this week's going to be a little bit tougher. It will be. And again, you're coming from an FCS opponent and you're looking ahead to a mid-major. And the MAC, it's just a gritty football conference, right? They're the type of conference that 
does have those moments where they beat a Power 5 team. It feels like it happens every year with the, the Kent States of the world, and including, obviously, now Western Michigan. But, Ashley, you and I were talking about it yesterday. We were looking ahead to this game, and they ran the ball a lot, to say the least. And the guy that stuck out to me was uh, Jalen Buckley. He was a part of a team that ran in more than 300 yards uh, on the ground. This guy had 30 carries, 194 yards. Redshirt freshman. So they look to have a little bit of a tandem duo, but um, you know I think it's one of those where if you're Western Michigan, you know Syracuse is a bigger program than St. Francis, but why not try out the run game again and see how they do stopping it? Absolutely, and if you're Syracuse, you're looking at that tape that we looked at from last week, and you're out there trying to stop the run game, and mm -hmm. you have those defensive players ready to handle that. So I think it'll be interesting. Yeah, got to put them in check. Um, what do you think? I know we have Nate Brown from Channel 3 out in Kalamazoo. He's going to give us a Western Michigan preview. I had a great chance to speak with him and catch up with him. But do we want to do our game previews or game predictions now, or do we save it till after the game, after the interview? What are you feeling? I Is, say, go ahead. Let's save it till after the game. Yeah, after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would go well. I think we would Can't nail it right wrong. on the head. Let's do it now. Mongro is always up to something. Why man. not? Let's give people the numbers. Um, since I'm throwing it on you, I'll start it off. Right? I'll start it off. The last time these two teams played, 2019, Syracuse again won 52-33. to 2018 was 55-42. to 42. Now, you're coming off a game in which Syracuse won 65 to nothing. So you're probably thinking to yourself, it's not going to be that high. I don't think it's going to be that high. But based off these scores, I have no reason to think that they can't reach the 50s again on this team, except I think it's a defense doing a lot more than allowing 42 points or 33 points. So I'm going very similar to last week, and I'm going to go with maybe 52 to 13. I'm thinking they're only going to allow a touchdown, maybe a field goal, but ultimately, ultimately I see a defense and an offense dominating once again. I'm going to go somewhere in that realm, but... For me, I had this written down before the show, I'm going 42 to 14. That is based on the spread, that mm -hmm. is based on the betting odds, that is based on the fact that, listen, last week I went a little low. If you guys remember, I went 38 yeah. to 10. I was wrong, too tight. I was biased, <laughs> I was too tight. Now I see what they can do and I absolutely have no reason to think that they couldn't be putting up numbers in the 40s, but Mungro said it, Western Michigan, is a tougher opponent than mm -hmm. Colgate. I think they will hold them to less points scored, and I think they will score more points than zero. So okay. that's why I'm going with 14. There we go. Spread is <laughs> around 19 right now, by the way. So, so Western Michigan, they played uh, St. Francis. St. Francis, yeah. That's Division II school. Division, small Division One. Small Division One. We were just talking about this. Okay. The three they, of us are, they, they the three of us are two, PA natives, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And St. Francis, like, no disrespect, is one of like the quietest Division One schools maybe in the country because it's in our own state. Granted, yeah. Western PA is a whole different world than Eastern PA. <laughs> but it was one of those where it was like we had that conversation yesterday. Like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're in PA. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I know they're in PA, but I just didn't know they were Division, division yeah. One. Yeah, so um, they're small. Right in there with, like, Robert Morris. I think they're playing okay. schools like that. Yeah. And, and they scored points on, that, on, on Michigan, so I right. would say. Which was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, I, I would say the score is going to be in the 50s. Um, yeah. I don't want to say the same score as you, but. It's I mean, okay. You want to go 52-10? Or 55? 52-10. 52-10, okay. 52-10, right. I think. Field goal and a touchdown. Yes. How about you, Ash? 
All right, originally, Sam and I apparently have the same thought process every time we <laughs> do one of these. Whatever I was going to say 42 to 14, but because you said that, I want to be a little different. We'll switch it up. I'm going to go 49-14, a little mm -hmm. bit more optimistic with the offense. They're not going to score 65 points like they did last time, right? That was a record-setting offensive performance by them in the Dino Babers era. So we're not going to see that again, but I think they will really have, still have that offensive versatility that we saw put a bunch of points up on the board, and I do think Western Michigan will score a few times. You know, you can't have a perfect shutout every week. All right. Well, hey, that's our four game previews, or game uh, score predictions, I should say. We all went 1-0 last week. Yeah. So we give a little clap. I think that was expected. <laughs> I Once think we, if we didn't, that would be right. problematic. Once we get deeper into the season, we can really start doing well with that, and I believe everyone won against the spread if we want to keep track of that as well. You can't really hear from uh, producer Brendan Hodges, but um, no real spread, so... Double, double thumbs up, double thumbs up. Uh, moving on, Nate Brown, News Channel 3 in Cali, Missouri, lets us know what to expect from this Broncos team. Show that interview right now. When we come back, we're going to get into our thoughts on that Syracuse-Colgate game and really just let this be one giant melting pot of takes. All right, well, we're joined now by Nate Brown. He's out with News Channel 3 in Cali, Missouri, Michigan. Of course, the Broncos, a big part of your coverage, my guy. Um, just right off the bat, new year with Lance Taylor coming in. What's the feeling around this team that you're gathering from from the fan base in the in the city? The feeling, first and foremost, it's just excitement. Uh, I know that the previous coaching regime, they they had a lot of hope, they had a lot of potential, and they just didn't really take advantage of what they had. And they they've sort of stumbled back into the Mac and it's now trying to build it back up again. Uh, the newer athletic director that they have out here, Dan Bartholomew, he really wants to build up a program out here where, you know, they can, they can really try to take advantage of that uh, potential automatic bid to the expanded college football playoff. And he's tabbed Lance Taylor as his guy and Lance Taylor has been all about it. I mean, ever since day one of, of him coming in, you know, us actually greeting him at the airport as he arrived to Kalamazoo for the first time after being announced, he has been all about building this team back up. And he's he's coming from, you know, a pretty credible coaching tree, you know, coming from the likes of Nick Saban and, and so many other guys, so many other stops along the way that he's ready for it. And I know that I know for sure that Bronco nation is ready for it. They, they want to get back to bowl games. They want to get back to threatening every single year for a conference title. And if that means that hopefully they can threaten for, you know, getting to that big stage, the college football play it, uh, playoff. Uh, I, I know everybody is, is all for it. So excitement for sure. Was week one, how you expected it to go with St. Francis to, to, Oh man. To be honest, I'm not sure. Yeah. Only because... And it is a loaded question, right? Because at the end of the yeah. day, we, we will, we're going to preface this whole interview with <laughs> it is week one. So I... we can take away with what we can. Right, right. And not only was it week one of a new season, but week one of a brand new regime. Mm -hmm. And again, I know that Lance Taylor has, has gone through, you know, Alabama and Notre Dame and Louisville, you know, all big name programs. But this was his first week as the head coach here, his first week as a head coach overall. So I think there, and then there was also uncertainty of you know, with the way the transfer portal works nowadays, guys coming in, guys leaving, just a lot of moving parts and just uncertain of what we might see. You know, 
coaches say one thing and they preach that they want to do one thing, but sometimes it maybe plays out a little bit differently. Um, at the end of the day, a win is a win. I know he was excited. I know the guys were excited. Everyone on the team was excited just to be a part of a win and start off on the right foot. Um, but again, e even some interesting things, you know, for, for us kind of taking it all in. I know there's a quarterback battle that went on all fall camp and then they wound up being maybe a bit more run heavy than we kind of expected. Um, again, a, a defense that lost a lot of talent, uh, you know, a lot of those COVID years that guys had stacked up and they were trying to use and, you know, some newer faces out there, but still, you know, seem to answer the call in week one. Um, it's, it's, again, it's, it was a nice way to start. Um, but I think this team is still, I don't know if I want to say young, but I, I think young of being together as a cohesive unit. So I think they're still, you know, trying to maybe find themselves a bit, um, and see, you know, what they do best. Um, I think week one was, Hey, we found something that's working against St. Francis. Let's keep going with it. Uh, I got to make sure I got the number here. 339 rushing yards yeah, which was right right I mean it, it it sort of seemed like it was basically hey we know we can run on this team if it ain't broke no need to fix it and that's kind of what they went with and that's a perfect segue do you think that was a this is what was working against St. Francis so we're going to do that or do you think this could be a little bit of a theme of the season do you think Syracuse fans could expect them to try to do the same thing coming out um because i guess why not right right definitely and i mean for us heck if they're gonna run for 339 yards every week we, we've got no problem with it if you can do it uh in talking with head coach lance taylor today though at, at their weekly presser it was that um you know it's it's probably a bit more of we're going to try and, and, you know, feel out our opponents and see what can we do? What do we have at our disposal? How can we obviously attack whatever defense is in front of us? And if, if we can run the ball against Syracuse, we'll run the ball against Syracuse. If it means maybe we've got to go to, you know, more play action or, you, you know, quick slants, uh, bubble screens, whatever it may be. I know that they, it definitely sounds like they want to try and find what works and keep doing it, you know, and, and until it doesn't work anymore. Um, and it could, it could change week to week. It could be maybe, you know, two or three weeks of being run heavy. Uh, but all I know is they just want to find what works and they want to try and utilize it because why would you not? What's the deal with Jalen Buckley, man? Cause I know he was a big part of that run game. Was he a story for this team last year or, or what's, what's his deal? So, so last year, uh, Western Michigan had two strong at the top of the running back chart, uh, running back depth chart, and Jalen was not one of those guys. Uh, both guys who were at the top, um, Sean Tyler and uh, Ladarius Jefferson, are now both gone. Uh, Tyler through the transfer portal, Ladarius through just trying to w work his way into the draft. Um, and and Jalen was a name who was on the roster, but again he was buried and, and you just weren't, he, there really wasn't a, an easy way for him to get some carries. Um, going into this year, going into the spring, every single practice I've had a chance to go to uh, the spring game that I had a chance to see him in person. He, he had the look of, you know, Hey, this guy looks like he could definitely be something. I mean, just, just the way he cuts, the way he moves through practice, but seeing that, 
in practice, you know, seven on sevens or, you know, just drills, you really can't tell. And even in a spring game too, you can't really tell. It was nice to finally see it all kind of, uh, you know, play out and, and pan out in an actual game against an actual opponent. Now, again, St. Francis is going to be way different than Syracuse. It'll, you know, it, it'll be tough to see, maybe not tough to see, but it'll be different to see how he's going to handle going against a, a power five opponent, you know, in Syracuse. But again, there, there were a couple runs, you know, just looking back through the highlights today, even of, of what he was able to do. And the, I think, I don't know if I'd say the sky is the limit, but he could definitely be a problem, you know, for Syracuse this week and uh, containing him, I think would, could be key, you know, to, to Syracuse and, and their game plan to take away from Western's game plan. Who else might be your player to watch in this one? And what do you think the recipe is for, for, you know, Western Michigan to, to pull off an upset? There's, I don't, I don't know if there's a singular guy, so I'll, yeah. I'll put out a trio there. Like um, one of which is uh, Keyshawn King, another running back uh, transfer from Virginia Tech. Um, got a couple carries this past week. Didn't really do a lot on offense. Um, again, I don't know if that also could have been game plan of, you know, maybe we'll save him for, for a Syracuse and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll ride Jalen because he's just, he's doing so well in this game, but Keyshawn King, another guy who, again, in practices in, you know, tape that I've seen, he, again, same thing. He, he just looks different. You know, some guys look like, okay, you know, they, they look good, but he's just looked different in every way that I've seen him so far. So if he can hopefully get going, you know, maybe uh, someone that Syracuse might not be expecting. And again, you know, the same thing of if they can find something that works, if they can find something that Syrac Syracuse maybe wasn't game planning for, um, it, it could be interesting to see. Um, two other guys, uh, uh, two wideouts, uh, Jelani Galloway and Anthony Sambucci are their top two returning wideouts from last season. Um, Jelani is probably more of a, a move the sticks kind of guy, pretty solid possession guy. Um, he probably won't necessarily, his numbers won't necessarily jump off at you, but just very solid, very sound. And then Anthony Sambucci, who's unfortunately held out week one. Uh, I don't know the extent. I don't know what it is, but something nagging, lingering, that's just just kept him out from week one. Um, but Anthony, very talented as well. Um, you know, just, again, both very solid uh, pieces of the pass game, which we didn't see much of this week. And again, I think it might have been, we can run, let's just run. Um, but if they're going to have success this season overall, it's going to be that duo of Galloway and Sam Bucci to, to try and hopefully help on that offensive side. Excellent, man. And, and one last question before we let you go. We've seen at the Dome, we've seen the most energetic and eccentric of coaches on the sidelines. We've seen ones that have the same face and it's, you know, it's monotone. It's the same thing flat from what you saw against St. Francis. What's Lance Taylor's energy on the sideline? Yeah. Lance Taylor, he's man, he's, he's got fire to him. He's got fire in his belly. Uh, again, he's, he's played at the highest levels. He's, he's helped coach at the highest levels collegiate. And I know he's also spent time in the NFL as well. I mean, this is a man who, it's, you know, not, not to throw out, you know, those cliches or anything, but he's driving and either you're, you're getting in with him or, or get off. You know, I mean, he, he wants guys who are with him. He's got his moments where he's stoic, 
Um, but I think underneath the surface, I think the wheels are still very much turning of, you know, he just realizes he can't run out onto the field and, you know, try to coach guys up from there. Um, but again, he, he's got his two coordinators with him, uh, offensive coordinator, Billy Kosh and uh, defensive coordinator, Lou Esposito. And he's been working with those guys hand in hand to make sure that, you know, this hopefully works how they want it to week in and week out. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he just, he gets fired up, he gets ready to go. And, uh, he, he knows, he knows about Syracuse. He knows about the carrier dome, uh, last year with Louisville. I know that he had to play them early on and he, he could not stop talking about it today, about the sound, about what the carrier dome brings. So that's something that he's going to be working on with his team and, and making sure that, you know, they are ready for it. Uh, because Waldo Stadium here in Kalamazoo is slightly different than the Carrier Dome up in Syracuse, but he knows what it is and and you know what it's going to take, and uh, just again looking to make sure that everybody is is there ready with him to uh, get in and and hopefully take it to the Orange. All right, Nate Brown with News Channel Three in Kalamazoo. That's what you are. You guys in News Channel Three? Is that how you people out in the in the in the world will they say? Oh, News oh Channel yeah. 3? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, the credentials you put in the call sign, but out here, yeah, News Channel 3 is 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 how people, I think, know us best. Awesome, man. Nate, appreciate your time. Sure thing. Thank you, Tommy. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Well, appreciate Nate making the time to speak with us. Good interview as we preview that upcoming game on Saturday. We do have Brendan's weekly evil trivia. That's coming up here in a little bit, but let's talk Syracuse Colgate. Let's get into the weeds. I'm going to open it up to the table right now. We're just going to rift because it's the best thing that we do. Um... What was everyone feeling walking out of Saturday? James, what do you got? I felt really good. Mm-hmm. felt really good. The team looked really good. They looked, they looked uh, played at a high, um, high level. Um, I felt the offense looked really good. I felt the defense looked really good. I mean, they couldn't <laughs> really. Not I mean, many complaints for you. The, the, only thing, I mean, the only thing I like to look at is how do they improve? Sure. How do you improve? And you can improve. Penalties. Can't mm-hmm. you know the penalties? I think hurt a little bit, and also uh, the turnovers. You can't do that uh, on a good on a you know on a good team. Um, Schrader, I felt like he had the ball. He handled the ball pretty well the whole time. And you know that one interception, he just threw it up. It looked like, but that's something that hopefully he won't be doing that uh, more of doing that <laughs> type of just throwing the ball up in there. But I mean the running back looks really good. The wide receivers caught the ball like uh, expected. Um, there was not really many flaws at all. How about you guys? How are you feeling? I mean, listen, you could talk about the offensive versatility. I thought that was great, and I think we'll see that in the future. I thought special teams did a good job. I thought oh, yeah. when they were yeah. called upon, which wasn't all that frequently, but everybody did their jobs and stepped up to the challenges in the ways that we really all thought they would. Whether or not that will continue on remains to be seen, but I like what I saw, and you guys know what I said. I think special teams needs to play 
um, consistently good. I thought that Demarcus Adams punt return was one of the best plays of the entire game. Fair, so yeah. electric. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, it was nice. It was I think good. it's also good. a play though that he probably gets yelled at, and chewed <laughs> out by his coaches. Because if you saw the way he caught it, he was almost as if he was catching a hail mary pass. I'm sure probably in those situations hey, they want you to just he, let it go. Uh, he caught it, but he caught so it. So the coach says it back. you, you call it. it. I mean, the coach yeah. didn't even play at all. Just don't drop it. You and know, he was so. number two on the depth chart, right behind Trevor Pena, who is from what we can tell is probably out again this week. So he's clearly filling that role and, and making it immediate. Yeah, he, you know, you may take that role over as well. You're I right. And that's what happens when people get injured. Other people step up, and that's good to see that someone stepped up in that, mo- in that moment. Because you're right that it was risky, but you know that in his head, he's trying to prove something. Yeah, he's He yeah. wants that starting spot, and yes. I'm sure that's part of the reason why he did what he did. Penalties, you took the words out of my mouth. Seven overall penalties, but there were also two back-to-back five-yard penalties that resulted in a Colgate first down. Listen, against Colgate, it wouldn't have mattered. They could have committed 20 penalties. They weren't going to win that game. (laughs) But against harder competition, and as we get further down that stretch, that penalty could be the difference between winning a game and losing a game. 100%. Absolutely. I think if you're down into the nitty-gritty of looking at penalties in week one, right, things went pretty good for you. You put 65 points up on the board. Looking pretty good. But I do think those penalties are an issue that they have to work on because they were an issue last year. And mm-hmm. they had the most penalties of any team in all of college football. So it's something that they do have to improve on. And to not see that in week one did kind of sting a little bit. It did feel like there was a little bit of that. Just the jitters were out of there after the first few drives. Especially like the defense. I think they allowed the one first down from Colgate, right? After that, it was a near flawless game. Yeah. And if you look yeah. at the statistics and the metrics from across Division One, like their success rate of stopping that team was unbelievable, especially when the first string was out there. I didn't see one missed tackle from the first string guys. And so, again, Western Michigan, a little bit of a tougher test, but they just seemed so locked in. And boy, did it feel like a just seamless transition going from Tony White to Rocky Long. I think a part of that, a huge part of that, has to be everyone on that defense understanding what the three three five is, and here's the godfather of it, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, they got confidence. Mm-hmm. They have confidence. The younger kids have confidence now. So, like, now it's just building, building all that confidence. They can score. They know they can score points. They know they can stop de- defenses, I mean, offenses. Uh, so, th- I mean, it's, you're in a good position. Syracuse is in a good position, and you just, like you said, you can't have no letdown this week, but I don't foresee that happening at all by no means. No, not in this matchup. And I mean, again, the other part of this is that win against Colgate was great. I think there are a lot of things that could have gone wrong and nothing did, even though we know this was a mismatch. This was a team that they were always going to beat. Still, pretty much everything went right. To your point, it was relatively flawless. That being said, how much can you really learn about this team in a week one matchup like that? I don't know. I want to see what happens in week two, and I especially want to see what happens in week three. I think that's where you really make a name for yourself when we figure out who is this team. But listen, the defense, like just to give out, give out a couple flowers, I mean, that Marlowe Wax sack was my favorite play of the entire game by a landslide. Yeah, and Dino said afterwards, he goes, listen, he's like, Marlowe has a chance to be leaving this program with the Michael Jones, with the Zaire Franklins of the world for the impact he has. And he's a guy that's on special teams. He just, he feels like a Sunday dude. Yeah. He, does. he does. He just feels like Sunday when it comes to the NFL. And I will say the one, the one position group. Can I guess? I think, yes. <laughs> the O-line? The O-line. That's still our question mark. And a part of that is we've already seen an injury issue. Joe Moore coming in, transfer from Richmond, supposed to be starting at that right guard spot. He ends up getting, I believe Dino, Dino said, Someone almost fell on his ankle. Just issue in practice happened kind of during the game week. Jacob Radford steps in, and 
you know, Dino said he's like, he, he did okay. He needs some stuff he needs to work on. And that was the one position group that I heard from the fan base is if, there, if you had to find a problem, again, you're fishing <laughs> for it. Yeah. That was the one where you're saying, okay, there were a few too many times maybe early in that first half where this Colgate defensive line was getting to Garrett Schrader. Not sacking him, yeah. but certainly putting pressure on him and maybe a little bit alarming at times. Um, but did you guys feel like that from you know my vantage point on the field, a little bit different than watching from TV? Did it feel like that was something that you were catching or not really? I, I think, like you said, the, the component they were playing – they're, you know, they're not as strong as the, the bigger schools that we're going to be playing shortly. So, yeah, we got great push and stuff like that. But, I mean, are we going to get the same push, you know, we'll see this week mm-hmm. uh, and moving forward? Um, because I thought they, they blocked very well. Like you said, Schrader scrambled around a little bit back there, um, you know, got a couple first downs. Um, but besides that, I feel like if they can stay healthy, you know, and just keep improving over the, over the season, they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for the most, it did feel like that a little bit to me. To answer your question, I, I was watching on TV. I was back here at the studio. He was scrambling a little bit. For the most part, I did feel like he had plenty of time to throw. But as you said, he wasn't getting sacked, but they were getting to him. He did get hit a couple times, and it does make you wonder. Listen, we knew that this was a position group going into the season that didn't have a whole lot of experience. Lost sixty percent of the O line. Experience together, I think we can to- say collectively. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I, I think. I think that we just kind of need to see. I'm not saying that it was necessarily negative or positive. I'm saying that in week two and in week three, we'll find out the truth. You know, one thing, though, he can play a little bit smarter. When I say play a little bit smarter, I did see this now. Just thought, thought, I, thought, ah, I just thought of this. Um, he was scrambling for the first down. Mm-hmm. He's next to the sidelines. Do not take a hit. Do not put your shoulder into somebody on the sidelines. It's just dumb. Do not do that straighter no more. I mean, you can get injured. I mean, you just had soldier um, surgery on his shoulder. You know, yeah, you want to get a little physical, <laughs> but still, it's like it doesn't make sense to take extra hit. You don't have to at yeah. all. Just step right out of bounds. Not that I, mean, I think it was elbow surgery. Not that that changes not getting hit. It's the same <laughs> deal. But I did see this because it felt like last year it was every game where it's it's the same thing. I think you know for the Syracuse fans that are also Bills fans like Sam. I knew you're gonna say that. You're. You're having the same thing happening Saturday as you do Sunday. Because you're going like this with your quarterback. You know, you're making that reaction because it's the same thing with Josh Allen. I did feel a few times like his eyes were more downfield in a situation where we were used to seeing him scramble. And a part of that could have been as if you guys picked up on this. The coaches definitely told Garrett and they definitely told Aronde, hit the deck. I don't want you taking hits if you don't have to in certain situations. So it did feel like they were a little bit more willing to go down just given the situation, given the game. And I'm thinking of the, that Isaiah Jones touchdown, right? When he kind of kept – he scrambled, but then he looked his, looked downfield. It felt yeah. like last year, Garrett, maybe would have just gone for the first down instead of going for the home run. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think so. I think you're absolutely right. But, again, you know, as, as he's maturing and getting better and getting the timing down with the wide receivers and everything uh, – I think the wide receivers realize that when he's scrambling, you just you got to be aware. You got to be aware because yeah. he will throw that ball. He'll throw it. Um, and you know, unfortunately, that one he threw an interception. There was nobody even there at all. You know, and he was scrambling yeah. a little bit. But I mean, again, this first game, it's against Colgate. Uh, get all the jitters out now, and let's let's get to work. I mean, you said it. It's just a nerve-wracking feeling, and I understand why they did this. But when I saw Garrett Schrader trotting out in the second half, I was kind of like, oh, no, what's going to happen? <laughs> we all, like, we all yeah. like, got, got a little bit sweaty for a second yeah. there, you know? Great story with that, though, right? Finding out that the coaches said no. 
he was so mad at himself for the pick. He's like, I can't. He's like, I can't end on that. I yeah. can't be thinking about that for the next week. So, you know, Dino said he's like, it's one of those where you build a relationship, you build trust. He's like, I, I trusted him enough to where he's like, I figured on that drive that he wouldn't do anything to get him into a bad situation. He got that touchdown. You know, problem solved. But when he was trying <laughs> back out there, it's like you could feel the feel the energy in the dome. The energy, everyone's looking at each other like, "Oh gosh, here it goes. This is where it's going to yeah. happen." So right. it was nice to see him get out of that. And end of the day, it's like for as much as we, you know, as as people that do this for a job, got to find the things to talk about, find things to critique. Overall, I thought it was a big old check mark for them. And the coaches coach well as well. I mean, the coaches mm-hmm. had, I mean, they did some different plays and stuff, and, you know, they opened it up a little bit. And Felt fluid, right? Yeah, it did. Spreading it the did. wealth a it bit did. on that offense. It did. And the players looked like they were having fun. That's the big yeah. thing. They're having fun out there, and uh, this season going to be really exciting. I'm excited for it too. Ash, final thoughts on this game? Well, I think just like you said, James, it was an opportunity in this week one for them to really spread the wealth on offense, which they did. And I think that even if it is Colgate, that's good to see those offensive schemes work out those kinks and move forward in week two. There we go. Western Michigan, 3.30 happening on Saturday. Before we get out of here, we have producer Brendan's trivia, and we have a little change coming to the ACC that we want to talk about with uh, you know, maybe the All-Coast Conference next year. We'll find out if they rename yeah, this gonna, thing. Yeah, they're going to rename that. Yeah. we got to do something. I mean, <laughs> got to switch it up. I don't you think it can be Atlantic. Just, no. no. Ocean Conference. I don't so know. Just, yeah. It's just it, it, yeah, coast it, to coast. Yeah, coast to coast. It, like, there's, there's a great opportunity to make something cool here. So I hope they do that. We'll find out. Uh, but since Brendan can't really speak on here because he is up in the booth right now that we can't see on camera. If you are watching on YouTube, if you're listening, thanks for listening, by the way. Um, so Brendan, again, we're going to be doing team trivia today. And one of the questions is going to be asked by Sam to Ashley and I. The other question is going to be asked by Ashley to James and Sam. And the way we want to do this, um, answering correctly, the, okay, here's what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm reading this right off the screen. Are you reading the format that he set up for you? I am. I am. I forgot to read this ahead of time. As for this week's game, he sent a question to a member of each team. Tommy and Ashley versus Samantha and James. That member will first ask the question to the opposing team. If they answer incorrectly, the other member of the team can steal the point. Whoever has the most points at the end of the two questions wins. So I guess it's a maximum of two We'll figure out what to do with the tiebreaker. So we'll start with Team Tommy. That means Ashley asks James and Sam. All right. I got the question right here for you. Sent to me from Brendan. Drum roll. What year are we in? We are. 1956. <laughs> Actually, that's for you to answer what year we're in. Oh. So. Okay. All right. The question is, we mentioned that Western Michigan head coach Lance Taylor is in his first year at the helm of the Broncos. Who was the last first-year head coach to defeat Syracuse? And what year? The last first-year coach to defeat Syracuse? Yes. Okay. Okay. Do you know it? Not saying anything. Okay. He said, in what year? In what year? Mongrel, you got anything? I got zero. You got zip? Zero. Okay. Brendan uh, is telling me, go, go ahead. Brendan's telling me in my ear that the year is more just for context. Yeah. So we're just looking for the name he said. I would say Miami. Why Miami, not? Miami's first, uh, Miami's. Uh, let it yeah. rip. You can okay. let it rip on a guess. Miami. Go Miami. Brendan. 
A name? Well, do you have a, a name with it? Let's just go with the school. Let's just go with the school for this. Okay. So that is wrong, wrong or right? I'm, I'm relaying this to you. People can't hear you. It is, it is wrong. Okay. So Ashley's wrong. So I, and then does Sam answer now or do I answer? Oh, so it's just me. So Ashley can't answer it. Well, I have the answer. Oh, okay. I feel like it could have been something that relayed through the earpiece. Again, sorry, sorry folks at home. This is bad. This is bad podcasting. Uh, we can't really hear Brendan, but it is what it is. We're getting through this week. I thought about Brendan in this question. And with last year going back, to, or last week going back to 1956 with a question, <laughs> I started thinking the exact opposite. And I mean the exact opposite. <laughs> because I am almost positive the answer is 2022 and it's Notre Dame's Marcus Freeman who came in to the Dome. Is that uh, right? You got yep. it. Okay. That's it. Yep. I just thought opposite. <laughs> That's I just impressive. Thought yes. It was quite opposite. I Very just thought recent. Brendan. I should have known that. I Tricky. But Tricky. I, I didn't know if we had two guesses Wiley. or just one. Yeah, that's good. That was good. I, I was thinking of Miami coach. Yeah. Uh, was it Croker, maybe? Larry Croker? Mario Cristobal, maybe? No, this is a while back, though. Oh, Croker, uh, when did he come in? Like, 97, yeah. was it? It was right before. Yeah. Yeah. I was but wrong. It, one of them did it. One of those Miami coaches did. All right, Sam. All right, let's let it rip. Again, from Brendan, the villain. Kind of miss his voice on the podcast a little bit. So you got a point right there then, Tommy. That's Did a point. point. You got a point. Stole one. This is the question. Who was the last group of five programs? Who was, who was the last group of five program to beat Syracuse at home? So, okay. So group of five. So we're not out of the power five, guys. We're ace, so ace, ACC teams, Big Ten, Big 12, SEC, and Pac-12 are out. So group of five, we're looking from schools from the American, the MAC, um, like Conference USA, those type of schools. Um, the hint, the team is a current member of Conference USA. Cincinnati? James, of Conference USA. you do not guess. <laughs> <laughs> not um, yet, but be thinking about it because I know the answer. Oh, because I can steal Wait, the point. Wait, so you, you can can't give us the year? No. I don't even know who's in, I truly don't even know who's in Conference USA anymore at this point. I can't even think of like five schools because I feel like Just they're all popping and rolling and going we... to different places. Rice is, I think, in the American now. Um, Conference USA schools. Mm. Give us a year. Yeah, what's no. a year? Brendan said that is not allowed. My guess is it's probably in the last 10 years. Well, you said beat Syracuse at home. Beat Syracuse yeah. at home. Don't Liberty. say it. Don't say it. I... Wait. I was going to say it. <laughs> Syracuse, <laughs> beat, Syracuse beat them a few years ago. Oh. He was right. Is it Liberty? Yes. Liberty. That's the answer. You didn't, you didn't know it. Be a player about it. You, you didn't know it. You didn't know I the answer. I thought they won that game. That's... Yes. No. Is it 2021? No, it says... In 20, Liberty in the 2020 season. Oh I remember that gosh. because I it was like we just lost to Liberty. I couldn't believe it. I, I knew it the minute you said it. I was like, yep. I had Liberty. You should have let I, it I rip, It's all right. <laughs> I had Liberty in my head, and I was like, no, because they, they beat them. Was Malik Willis was a QB. It was, it was a big upset. Win. It was a big upset. Big no, upset. They, yeah, no, yeah. yeah, it was a terrible upset. I yeah. remember that. All right, and before we get out of here, um, change coming to the ACC. Stanford, Cal, SMU all coming in. Brings the conference to 18 schools, 17 playing football, of course, with Notre Dame being independent, and that starts next year. Thoughts on it? 
Main thoughts, Sam. Okay, this just came to my mind. How about just Coast Conference? Just CC? Coast Conference. But do people just call it Coast? How about Coast? Say Coast to Coast. How but about, I think we could do Coast, we could do C2C? C C2C. I mean, that's kind of cool. That's kind of electric. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like a it's conference. It's cool. I know it doesn't, but it does have a ring to it. You got to admit, yeah, I'm in the C2C. I think I what everybody's like been saying, saying online, though. It's a gang. It kind of does. Uh, uh, gang, you Yeah. I think they might keep it all post-conference, which is what everybody's been saying on so we'll Twitter and stuff. Because think about how easy that is. You don't have to rebrand everything. You don't have to rethink about how much they're going to have to redo if they take that A. That is true. You're talking about switching up everything as low everything. as the polos on the rest. I'm looking standpoint. at it from a marketing yes. perspective. Well, from a financial standpoint, I don't understand it. It's going to be interesting. Cali, come all the way. I mean, that's so, a long flight back and forth. I Well, it's... From what, I, from what I've gathered and understood, spoke with John Wildack last week, and from the Eastern School's standpoint, it's going to be pretty fine. Like, men's soccer heads out there, right? They'll do Cal and Stanford in one road trip. Yeah, yeah. It's the Cal mm -hmm. and Stanford, their schedule yes. is going to yeah. be the, the question mark on financially, how, how does that work? Because I know there's, there's the stuff with the TV deals and everything. They're all kind of taking a little bit of a step back. SMU's getting nothing from that for about nine years. So they're just like, for the love of God, get me out of the American. I want to be a part of the ACC. But for those two schools, and they haven't put in the fine print, but like I, I just have to imagine that they're getting a little bit more travel money from but the conference. Also Put the finances to the side for a second. I'm thinking yeah. about this from the standpoint of being an athlete and having to take all of yeah. those road trips. Yeah. Yep. That matters. Yes. When you're traveling that far, you have to sleep in a hotel. Totally different mindset for an away game as it is. But to be traveling that far of a distance, I would wonder if that would impact play at all. To me, it feels like an advantage for the opposing team against a Cal or a Stanford who had yeah. to take a hike all the way to the East Coast. Well, I, I, totally, I totally think that all the West teams are in a disadvantage. Just, just for the traveling purposes. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, that all the scheduling they have to figure out, uh, kids needing tutors and stuff like that. I, I don't understand why they just couldn't find somebody, some, some other team like on the East Coast. Like, you know what? I don't envy it, but I also like. I feel like strength, strength-wise, it's. I would say. I don't know. I think for what do you what do you think? I think it's very clear why it was desirable for the ACC to add teams, right? Because yeah. they, with the whole fuss that Florida State's been making and Clemson, mm -hmm. they're worried they didn't want to go down a Pac-12 route where all of a sudden they don't have enough teams in the conference. So I think it's clear why it was desirable for them. But I totally agree with you. For the schools out west, I just I'm not really sure how that's. Yeah. Let's be good. real. It's a, it's a temporary band-aid for the ACC. It is. Should these teams look to jump ship? But ultimately, strength in numbers at this point. But you know something as well as the players. I mean, the first couple of years, I would imagine the players out west are going to be really excited because they'll be coming to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. right. some people, some people, we've never been to the East Coast, you know, down in Miami and up north and all that type of stuff. But I think after the second season, they're going to be, oh, this is, this is for the birds. I think, <laughs> I think it's funny because I was thinking the exact opposite. I was thinking it's going to be so exciting for all of the schools on the East Coast. Oh, they're pumped. Oh, to yeah. go to Stanford. If yeah. you yeah. told me, they're right. like, we're sucked. Yeah. They I mean, get road trips. Who yeah. wouldn't be? Yeah. Who wouldn't be? Especially with, you know, how cold it is here. Like, I would be Good able to, go to see do some that. warmth yeah. out yeah. there. Yeah. I, I think that the East Coast teams kind of won out in this Especially situation. in the spring sports. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. Can you imagine? Even even with the... Lacrosse? With lacrosse, with how early Come they on. play yeah. in February. Right. They get a game out in Cali. Listen, everybody, I mean, yes, everybody the in the lacrosse world knows yeah. that even yeah. though it's a spring sport, 
It's, it's winter. A, it's spring cold. sport. You feel me? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a spring sport, but you're playing in sweatpants and snow and the winter. All for the love of the game, right? Whatever else. That's right. That's All right. right. All right, well, that's the Orange Zone. Samantha Cross and James Mungro, Ashley Wenzkowski. I'm Tommy Sladek. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Make sure you're liking and subscribing to our new channel, The Orange Zone. Strictly Orange Zone Strictly content. Strictly Orange Zone. I see a parenthesis Syracuse in there, so you can't get it confused with a... Um, like a kids video game channel <laughs> that we're now us. competing with. That That's Orange us. Zone. We are the Orange Zone. The, the D orange needs zone. to hit hard. We're out of here. See ya. <laughs>